I just want to take just a, a few minutes with you, and then we'll lead into the candle light uh, song and worship. And I want to continue in the spirit of our worship. But I want to ask you a question tonight, just as we start. There's so much we sing about and all the things about Christmas. But what is your response to Christmas? What is your response to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, when we look in the Gospels, there's, there's a number of responses that people have to his birth. A response could be any type of emotion. Certainly, we understand from Matthew 2 that when King Herod heard the news of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in the Bible that he was troubled. He was troubled. He was filled with fear. Pride filled his heart, troubled because he was King Herod and another king, the Lord Jesus Christ, had been born. And so we sing praise to him tonight, but at least in the gospel, he was troubled. When we meet up with the wise men in Matthew 2, hearing about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And so you have these responses, and I won't say much on it, but I was thinking about the man uh, when they came to the inn, and we don't know all the details of that. Somehow, uh, there was no room at the end, and um, obviously he was born in a place maybe off the side, but these are all responses to the birth of Christ. But may I just tonight focus on one response to his birth that I think identifies the best response to the person of Christ and to the meaning of Christmas. Um, I mean, when the presents are given, when the presents are opened, when the tree comes down, when maybe all the family that some of you are surrounded by goes home, you go back to work. I mean, the truth is, is that our response to Christ and his birth and certainly his life go with us every day in the new year. Let me just read some of the account to you and with you. I'm going to keep it in Luke chapter 2, and then I'm going to just focus on the response of one particular group. And I think these are familiar words to you, but just hear the story again and fresh. And I'll just be reading from Luke 2 for the beginning. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the of the house and the lineage 
of David. He went to be, the Bible says, registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then the scripture is just so clear. The time came and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in, what? Swaddling, I call it cloths, and laid him in a, what? Manger, because there's no place for them in the inn. I mean, it's almost so brilliant of the writer, Luke, who just says that she gave birth to her firstborn son, Now, we know that's not the end of the story. Luke continues that in this same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their, what, flock by night. Imagine this, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, it says, shone around them. You say, well, what is that? Well, the glory, at least in the Old Testament, was a physical manifestation of light. And God often revealed himself through a pillar, through a cloud, so forth. And here, his glory, which was his presence, it says, shone around them. And here's another response. They were filled with Great fear. In other words, as they're out and in the being shepherds on the hillside and they saw this brilliant light, it wasn't just fear, but it was great fear. And praise the Lord, the Bible says, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, what a great description, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I just want to focus on something, and this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling, what, cloths and lying in a manger, I don't know if you've ever looked at it. It was a prophecy, if you will, to the shepherd. It was a sign that would be given to them. And so as this angel erupts in that voice in Luke 2, 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. I think sometimes we think singing, maybe, but it says praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory. Glory just means, and it's used here to describe him, praise. And then, the text says, the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds, and here's our focus, they said to one one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And it says that they went with haste. Some people make 
a, you know, a, a thought there. It's the first Christmas rush. These shepherds went in haste and they found these shepherds. It says Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a what? Manger. So the sign that they were to look for is the sign now that they saw, and it says they saw it, and they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now you remember in the Bible, it says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. It says these things, what things? Well, the angel's message, I'm sure it goes back to Elizabeth's prayer to the shepherd's report, I think, are all in her mind. And then here's the one response. The shepherd's response to this, to not only on that hillside, but now in person, it says in 20, they went back and it says they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. There's at least a response from these shepherds that they went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. I think it's interesting that God selected rugged, I would put it that way, hardworking shepherds to be the first witnesses that his son had come into the world. These shepherds had the wonderful privilege, certainly after Mary and Joseph, to set their eyes on and confirm what the angels had pronounced of what they had seen and heard. And they went back glorifying and praising God. Now, just for a moment, I found it fascinating this week that in Luke's gospel, that when God's character and the work of Jesus Christ is displayed, praise follows. Not just here, but throughout Luke. In fact, in chapter one, when Zacharias was told of the coming birth of John the Baptist, it says after his birth and the announcement, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, was loosed, and he spoke, and here's what came out of his mouth. It says, blessing God. He was praising God. You might remember in Luke 2, that when Simeon, that older man, took him, the son, the Lord Jesus Christ, up in his arms, he blessed God. This is the response both to the character of God and the beauty of Christ. In Luke's gospel in chapter 5, the paralytic rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, went home... Imagine that, glorifying God, and amazement seized them all, and they all glorified God, and they were filled with awe, and they said, we've never seen anything like this. And so John Zacharias is blessing God, 
Simeon is blessing God. The paralytic is glorifying God. The widow's son in Luke chapter 7, they're in a processional there of a funeral. And Jesus stopped at the casket called the beer. And he laid uh, his hands on it. Imagine this. And the dead man sat up and he began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. And the Bible says that fear seized them all. And they, here it is again, glorified God for his character, his power, his attributes, his power, his greatness, certainly over death. Then later in Luke in 13, 13, you've got a woman who has been sick for 18 years and Jesus lays his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and her response was, she glorified God. When you look at Luke 17, and I think you remember the account, you get to the lepers, that there were 10 of them and he healed them, but one of them, one of them, when they saw that he was healed, turned back, and you might not remember this, but in Luke 17, he just one turned back and was praising God. Imagine having just leprosy where people couldn't even get downwind of you on a walk. And now all of a sudden his skin goes back to perfect condition and he's praising God and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and it says he was giving thanks, giving him thanks. And Jesus said, we're not the 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and to give praise to God except this foreigner and he just meant, did nobody else come back? This was a Samaritan man. And he came back to give him praise. Why? Because praise gives honor and it gives glory to the one being praised. Just a few more in Luke 18. There's the blind beggar calling out. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. And it says, glorifying God. And all the people saw it and they gave praise to God. I think I would say that the greatest sign of anybody's salvation is giving praise to God. Would you agree? One of the reasons you could see a transformed heart is that you went from being locked down in a vice grip on your sin and you just begin to move around and know that the Lord Jesus Christ has taken all your sin. They gave praise to God. You remember at the triumphal entry, the disciples begin to rejoice. The triumphal entry at the end of his life. Praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had been saying. And they said this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And do you remember some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would what? 
cry out. I remember sometimes when I'd be with my family encouraging my children to praise him, to honor him, even when they were young. And sometimes I would call on Johnny and say, Johnny, do you have something to praise him for? And he said, Dad, if I don't, and he was kind of retorting back to me, if I don't, then even the stones will cry out, you know. But there's truth to that. Then you get all the way to the end in Luke 23 at his cross. Fascinating. The centurion, the Roman soldier, it says, praised God. Then you move finally to the last chapter at his ascension. The disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple blessing God. So when we look at his character... When we look at the person of Christ, they blessed and praised him at his birth. Angelic host was there. And then you get to his cross and then even his ascension. And they're praising him at that point. Praising and glorifying God for the birth of the son is the shepherd's response. And it really ought to be our response. Amen. Our response, praise, what is it? I don't want to get too technical. It's to ascribe glory to the one, and for our purpose tonight, who came in the flesh. We have sung about it. How will you respond tonight? Listen, I would submit that the greatest response, maybe the only response is to glorify our Lord and praise him. Not just in his birth, because when we went through the book of Ephesians, you remember Paul said in Ephesians 1.12, so that we, that's the, certainly the church at Ephesus, but we as well now, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. I think you understand men and women, fifth graders, sixth graders, maybe there's third graders here. If you're redeemed, he saved you to praise him. Life really is to be filled with praise, amen? In other words, I can compare it to the opposite, and I don't need to say this, but we ought to not be complaining, We ought to not be in bitterness. We ought to not be manifesting out of our heart a lack of, or have a lack of forgiveness and be bound by unforgiveness. The deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5 are strife. They're jealousy. They're all those things. Anger, dissension, and division. No, no, listen. Not only should our response at Christmas be to praise him and glorify him, but our response for our life, amen? That the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, is it patience, kindness, those things. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what happened in my life. Well, you may have had a rug pulled from you. Maybe a death in the family, a broken relationship. But listen, when we see, you say, well, 
I, I get they were touched and healed. And, but listen, if you've been touched in the doctrine of your salvation, then I would make a submission that my life and your life ought to be filled with praise for this one. You exist to the praise of his glory. This is a gift, not wrapped in shining paper with a bow, but a sign, if you will, wrapped in swaddling cloths, who was both man and God, too wonderful for words, I think you would agree. And I'm just asking, maybe you're here visiting, this is the one when we were singing that song, it almost brought tears to my eyes, fall on your, what, knees. And the truth entered my mind of Philippians, that at the end, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, I just would encourage you, if you've not bowed your knee to him, bow now. Because it's better to bow now, but all the world will be forced to bow in the age to come. And here is the greatest gift ever given when God gave us his son. He came in the likeness of men. He came in the form of a man. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and made himself obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So listen, have you given your life to the one who is identified not just as a baby, but in one of the gospels, it's Christ the Lord. I think of Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.15 when he said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You say, well, pastor, there's other people who are <laughs> more blessed or there's other families that have their family all around him. There's other, my relationships, maybe for some of you, may be broken. But listen, I'm telling you, if you have the son, you have everything, don't you? If you have that relationship with him and the forgiveness of sins and the joy of knowing that, then you really have everything. So the shepherd's response was to go back glorifying and praising God. And I submit to you, just individually, this ought to be your response. Oh, presents will be there tomorrow. Lots of food, I'm sure, on Monday, excuse me. But listen, make sure that at this Christmas season that the shepherd's response is your response because of what he's done in your heart and life.